This episode is sponsored by RIMS. RIMS is a global organization dedicated to the profession of risk management. For nearly 60 years, RIMS has delivered the latest strategies and resources that allow risk professionals to grow, innovate, and succeed in any business. RIMS works with the industry leaders to produce content and online training that business professionals turn to. Topics include business continuity, cyber risk, risk management techniques, the fundamentals of insurance, and more. There's also a private members-only site where people can discuss sensitive issues and get honest answers. Members have been leaning on each other as we all navigate this global pandemic. If you're concerned about the safety of your employees and the sustainability of your organization, you need the resources and connections RIMS provides. Learn more at http colon forward slash forward slash go dot rims dot org forward slash transform. You can save 25% off a year-long membership. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's Brandon Laws, your host. Thanks for the download today. This episode is sponsored by none other than Zenium HR. And in fact, today you have three days to register for the free annual What People Want From Work survey. This is an annual survey that we do. We've been doing it for four years. And this is an opportunity to participate for free and find out what your employees want out of their work. Culture, leadership, out of their manager, benefits, perks, compensation. We ask it all. And in fact, we added in another section about how your employer responded to COVID-19 and all the things that went along with that. And I think right now, it's more important than ever to ask people what they want out of work. You may get some tough feedback this year, but I think it's better to ask for the feedback and compile it, analyze it, and do something with it rather than just bury your head in the sand and not even ask the question if you're afraid to get the feedback. I think it's great. Any feedback is good. You know, you could take it or leave it, but I think it's always a good thing to ask your your employees what they want out of their workplace, out of their culture and all that, and then figure out if there's any themes and then do something about it. So this is a free survey that we do every year it's comprehensive. What you get as a, as a result of it is a free report. It's going to include all the quantitative data. And there is a, a premium upgrade that you could do. We'll benchmark you against similar industries. We'll split your company into different demographic splits if you want, like education um, or years on the job, things like that. And then we'll make sure to give you all the comments too. So link is in the show notes. We hope you participate. You have three days from the time this releases to sign up. Okay, on to today's episode. I have a conversation with Pam Marmon. She is the author of No One's Listening and It's Your Fault. Get Your Message Heard During Organizational Transformation. This episode is all about the communication aspect of change management. There's a lot of change happening right now. I think we all have to understand what role we play in change management. So what's the role of the leader? What's the role of mid-management? And as individuals as well and contributors. 
and uh, Pam has a lot of great stuff as as to how to communicate, what to communicate, when to communicate, and just the overall process. So you're going to get a lot out of this. I think it's more relevant than ever right now as <laughs> there's so many technology changes, process changes, corporate structure changes, all that. So you're going to get a lot out of this. Hope you enjoy. Let me know what you thought about the episode. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Twitter, Instagram, all of those places. You can find links to my profiles in the show notes. Would love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Pam, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Brandon. It's great to be here. So you wrote a book and you released it right in the middle of this pandemic. It's called No One's Listening and It's Your Fault. Get Your Message Heard During Organizational Transformations. This book's about change management. Specifically, it's about the communication aspect of it. Why did you feel like you needed to write a book about the communication aspect of the entire change management process? That's a great question. I've worked in the change management space for over a decade. And oftentimes leaders come to me and they tell me things like, nobody's listening, our communications are broken. And so I wanted to address the main broken problem that they face, which oftentimes is communications. And a lot of us can relate to that working in corporate America or in small businesses. We understand the importance of the communication piece. But what I also wanted to do is I wanted to layer change management principles that were solid that are foundational to any organization in any stage of the process of leading a change. And so I thought, let me just write a book about leading organizations through change and addressing the communication problem and also giving leaders the ability to be able to transform their organization from the inside out in a very methodical way. You wrote early in the book, the quote, I loved it. With the proper process, change is not hard, end quote. I imagine when people come to you, they're probably thinking change is pretty hard. But do you help guide people into a proper process? And is that usually the failure with a lot of change management is just no process in place? Yeah, there are certainly processes and methodologies to follow in the change space. But what I have found is that our mindset has a lot to do with how we experience change and how we lead through change. So if our mindset as an individual, if my mindset is that change is hard, it's very natural for me to behave in such a manner. And so I'm planting seeds of potential resistance and hardship into my organization. And so the first thing that I wanted to do right at the beginning of the book was to address the mindset of a leader. And I truly believe, and I'm so passionate about this mindset of with the proper process, change is not hard because so many leaders fear change and so many individuals fear change and fear can have a very stifling effect on us as people. And so I wanted to dismiss that. I wanted to completely get rid of it so that people can enter a change and a transformation with a positive outlook on life, a positive outlook on change, and really be successful. The model that I introduced in the book is called LESS, Listen, Engage, Speak, and Solve. And so it provides the structure that a leader can follow in order to implement change effectively. But at the heart of it, it's about the mindset. And I really want to make sure that leaders walk into a transformation with a positive attitude about the change itself. So speaking of leaders, what is the role of the leader when it comes to change? Is it very much a top-down approach? Is it more of an influence sort of thing? What can a leader expect when it comes to rolling out some sort of big old change in an organization? 
Yeah, I think it actually is a little bit of both. A leader is responsible to set the vision so that people know what is ahead, what's the vision, why we're doing this thing. A leader is also responsible for influencing their peers. So at the organizational level, at the department level, to be able to articulate what the changes in terms of why it matters to the other departments, why should they care about it? A leader is also responsible to engage with the people, the people that are impacted by the change, the influencers who are going to be sharing that message within the organization, and really to be able to trickle that content and that message all the way down to every single person who will be impacted by the change. So in all honesty, when we look at the role of a leader, it's not just at the top and it's not at the bottom. It's throughout the entire duration of the work in a very structured manner, a very thoughtful approach. My hope is that when leaders read the book, that they don't feel overwhelmed, that it's all on them, because it's not. The message of the book is really to be able to share that ownership of the change within the organization so that you can carry it further with the help of others. Yeah, on that note, I thought what was interesting is you wrote that while project management is about implementation, so like changes happening, maybe a leader would think its role is, okay, I got to manage this project and implement it the best way possible. But then this whole other side of it is the change management aspect. It's about adoption. It's about influencing other people and getting people to grasp and empower around the change. You said you can't have one without the other. So maybe elaborate on that point. Yeah. So change management on its own as a standalone discipline really doesn't do much. (laughs) It, (laughs) It needs to be partnered with something. So there has to be an effort whether it's a technology implementation or reorg or new operating model, whatever the change itself is, change management comes alongside the project manager or the project leader to be able to articulate what is the change and what's the impact to the individual, what stakeholder groups are impacted, in what way, how is their tomorrow going to be different than what today is like for them. And then to be able to engage with people in a very meaningful way so that they feel like their voices are heard, their concerns are heard, and that something positive will come out as a result of this transformation. And so what we want to do is we want to avoid going live with, let's say, a new technology without engaging people along the way. Because what will most likely happen is you go live, you spend lots and lots of resources invested into this technology, and then nobody uses it. And that's a failure. I've seen that so many times. Terrible. It happens so frequently when we forget the people side. So when we think of change management and project management, The easiest way to explain it, project management cares about the tasks, the budget, the timeline, the deliverables. Change management is concerned about the who, the how, what was it like for them? Will they use it? What kind of training do they need? Do they have the right messages and the right information to be successful in the future? So that's why the two are together. They rely on one another to be successful. And ultimately, we're driving towards the same goal, which is a successful implementation, a successful change. So whatever the project outcomes are, that's what change managers are there to really help the leaders and the project team be successful in. Pam, if we step back really far and look at this sort of objectively with all the change management that you've probably seen over the years, why do individuals struggle with change? If they do struggle, that is. So what would be the issues that they have with any sort of change? I don't know if you can boil it down to a few different things, but maybe give us some perspective on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great question. A lot of times it can come down to loss of power, loss of control, loss of knowledge, fear of losing a job. I mean, it could really be wrapped up in so many different things. And that's something that I solve for because I need to understand as a change leader, what is it that will prevent somebody from 
embracing this change. You know, people don't oftentimes come and just say it out loud, but they do behave in a certain way that you can draw it out of them. And so one thing that I do right at the beginning of a large transformation is a readiness assessment. Essentially, it's a set of interviews that I do with people. And I'm looking really to understand what's the culture like, what communication works here, what training will work here, what will make this change stick? What's the resistance to this change, potential resistance, and how do we overcome it? And it's not always the first question that I ask, but typically it's the question after the question after the question that gets me the true essence of where the resistance may be. And then as I design the change strategy, I'm mindful to engage people in a meaningful way, specific in the context of that culture of that organization, so that we can overcome barriers. And really, as we embrace the, you know, we're in this together mentality, we're looking to engage people early on, we're looking to remove barriers and to really help them understand how they can be successful, because that's really what people want to do. When you launch a change, they care about what the, what's in it for me. How will I do my job differently? How can I be successful? Because all of us want to do a good job at work and we are intending to be good employees and good leaders. And so that's kind of the mentality behind leading organizational change. I think what the challenge with change is that you don't know what everybody's reaction is going to be. And you highlighted the point that we all know the grief curve, right? And you kind of walk through this cycle of feeling different stages of emotions. And you said that change, it has a curve of its own, and it's very similar to the grief curve. So maybe explain that and what kind of range of emotions people go through when it comes to change. Absolutely. The change curve is fascinating because it's so consistent in what we see in the marketplace. Initially, when you don't know that change is happening, all is well until that change is introduced. And all of a sudden, now you're aware that something will be different. And typically, this is where we see people start to question what's in it for me. We lovingly call it, lovingly or not, but we call it the valley of despair, where people dip into the lower productivity and just this uncertainty. The role of a good change leader and a good leader is to be able to help people bounce back as quickly as possible while recognizing that there's some true or raw emotion that can take place in that space and it's required for it to kind of take its turn. And then once we communicate why the change is happening, what it's going to mean for people, how it's going to change the future of their work, people start to understand it more. Eventually they accept it and eventually you hope that they own it. And at that ownership level is where we see that true realization of the benefits of the change that we set out to do at the beginning, where we're actually successfully thriving in this new environment. When it comes to change and communicating a change is happening, is there such thing as communicating too much? Yeah, absolutely. We have to be mindful of what we communicate and when we communicate it and also who communicates it. So at the beginning of a project, a lot of the work will be around the vision, the why, more kind of strategy, I guess you could say. And it's very important that these messages come from the executive leaders or just the leaders of that team. As we get closer to implementation, we start to shift our focus on the how. What does it look like? What are the technical pieces? What is the design of that change itself going to be like? And so we shift from the what is it to the how is it going to be done? And then once we go live, we start to communicate differently about the impact. So now we can actually track metrics. Hopefully, we have some data to back up the reason why we did this change. We can support that through messaging, but also through celebrations. And I think that's another important aspect of communication that oftentimes leaders miss because we wait until we have all of our ducks in a row and everything is perfect. The reality is that change is never perfect. In all the years I've led change, we've always had changes to the plan. 
the timeline, the budget shifted. And so if we walk into a large transformation and we expect it to be perfect, we'll probably be disappointed. But the reality is that our people are investing a lot of their energy and their time to make this successful. And so if we can recognize people along the way at the milestones, and as we see good work come about, I think that's really going to infuse the organization with a lot more energy so that we don't get burned out by the time we actually go live. It sounds like you've gone through lots of change yourself. And maybe that's why you originally got into helping others go through change management. I'm curious if there's ways that you can assess or determine if an organization is ready for the change, meaning the people within it, are they going to adapt quick or is this going to be really, really hard? Because maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's something that you could push out a little bit if they're not ready. So how do you analyze that? I do it through the readiness assessment. And I set out to interview stakeholders at the executive level and then managers and then people throughout the different departments to really understand what is the landscape of the changes happening within your organization. And I will ask them specific questions around what other changes are happening. What's very telling for me is what's actually not being spoken. And so I'm looking to see at the different levels of the organization, what do people not know that's coming their way? Or what do they know that they're sharing in a positive way or in a negative way? And what are they missing? You know, what I love to sit in the silence of the awkward <laughs> silence when you ask an interview question and people are just not sure how to respond or follow up with a question. And to me, that's absolute gold because I can walk away at the end of it and analyze the responses and be able to articulate now is the right time or now is not the right time. And I have had clients that I've worked with where we kind of initiated the initial conversations and realized there wasn't a vision. And so we had to pause everything until the vision was very clear. Because you can put all the right change management principles in place, all that is great, but without the vision, it won't be successful. And so, yeah, I think it's critical that we know and we understand as an organization what is in front of you and how do you stage it well. And also, if there is a lot of change, we reach the point of change saturation. And that's the point where people just can't absorb it. It's impossible to actually do anything more that's positively going to add to anything at all. I caution leaders not to be too excited about change. Now, you kind of touched on it. I do love change and I have experienced a lot of change in my life. And so for me to say... Yes, you have. Just before we were on, live on the air here, you were saying how you just moved around and it sounds like you like change. I do. I love it. And it's a muscle that you build. But I also have to be mindful that there are times when less is more. And we live in those days in 2020 right now when less is more. And we have to be mindful of the right types of changes that we're introducing and the amount of asks and requests we're putting on people and the pressure we're putting on people. So all is balanced when we look at the scope of the change. I think with this audience, they'd be really curious to know because we've all gone through change and whether or not there was a process put to it or not, I bet somebody's gone through change. So if this audience is listening and saying, well, could I build this change management process on my own or do I need to bring in an external resource for objective reasons? What's your answer to that? You know, it depends. It depends on what skill sets you have within your organization and what's the change management maturity within your organization. Oftentimes, when we talk about change maturity, we look at the frequency of when change management is being practiced or applied on a project, for example. And so, you know, is the language in place? Do people even know what the terminology is and how to articulate it? And then as you start to build that capability, similar to building a muscle, you start to see more of it. And so it starts to emerge in more projects and then it becomes embedded as the way we think about our work to be inclusive of people, to communicate frequently, to share the right messages. 
And then over time, that maturity continues to grow. And so you have a more robust program. So to answer your question, I really do think it depends on the people that you have within your organization and their level of interest in the change management. Initially, it's probably wise to bring an expert to come and guide you through Mm -hmm. that process and to build that maturity model within your organization. And certainly that will take years to mature an organization from a skill set perspective. But on a project level, I think one off here and there, I think it's appropriate. There's a lot of work that can be done on the individual side as we think about our own skill sets. Can I get certified? Can I educate myself through online courses or books that I can read? How can I apply it and practice it? Really, the best way to build a skill is to practice it. And so I always encourage people who want to get into the change management discipline to find an opportunity to actually apply your knowledge so that you can build it and continue to grow. And if you can get a mentor who is skilled in that space, certainly that will add to your ability to grow and expand your own leadership skills. My favorite section of the entire book was just this powerful nugget. In fact, I took a picture of it because I thought it was so useful. A case for change. It's a series of questions that you can really answer. And you give examples of the questions, but maybe an organization could develop their own questions. But it's basically a script that you could use, share with leaders so that messages are consistent across the entire organization. Talk about why this is so important with any change management process, especially the communication aspect of it. And what questions might be a part of this? Yeah, so the case for change is something that we establish early on in the project. After we've done our readiness assessment, after we understand what the project charter is, and we know why we're doing this change. And essentially, it's basically a script that we craft. And it's a foundational message that we can use and recycle with various different audience groups. And it addresses the why is this important? When is it going to happen? What's the impact? And then we know we adjust it based on the audience. For example, executive leaders may have a very similar message, but a different angle of it versus when you take it down to managers, it may be a little bit more focused on the impact to their team specifically and what they can anticipate. But it gives us a platform of consistent messaging. And why it's important, it's because we as human beings need to hear the message several times before it sinks in. And if we hear the same consistent message over time spoken by different people within the organization, we can grasp it better than if we hear something that sort of sounds similar, but not quite. And people have added their own interpretation of that message to it. It will confuse our teams. And so that's the essence of having that messaging crafted initially so that you can articulate it, you can share it, and then you can start to embed it as the project continues and you're doing, let's say, roadshows or presentations to different teams you have a starting point. You don't have to start from the beginning. I have found that to be extremely helpful with the projects that I've led. Who are the most valuable players in your organization when it comes to change management? Is there a certain group of people that have more influence over the others? Give me your perspective on this. Yeah, so this one I absolutely love because it's a group that's oftentimes overlooked and it's so incredibly important. It's the middle managers. Mm. Yes. And the reason why it's overlooked is because it's assumed that they're going to be on board. It's assumed that they're going to do what you ask them. But the reality and the research that has been done for decades in the change management space is that communication messages oftentimes get trapped in the middle manager layer. They don't flow down to the intended audience. And so for me, the crafting our change strategy around the managers is so important because we need to be able to engage them. We need to be able to share those messages that have been crafted with them to make it easy for them to share it with their teams. 
we need to hear their voice. We need to know what perspective they have. We need to understand how their people will experience the change and how we can improve that for them. Because truly, if our goal is to make this change last and make it a good change for everybody, we ought to care. And when we care and we show that care to our middle managers, the effects are so much more long lasting than if we ignore them and expected them to just do as they're told. What's the process of building a communication strategy for any change that's happening? Is there a big process involved in it? Where do you point people to on that? Again, it starts with the readiness assessment, which really helps me to understand what are the stakeholders that are going to be impacted by this change. So we first will outline all of the stakeholder groups. Then we'll need to understand what are the key messages that we need to communicate for the duration of the project. Let's say for a large change, oftentimes it could be a year, maybe even more. So if we look at the year for a full year time frame, what do we say the first quarter? What do we say the second quarter? What's going to be important the third? And what do we say when we launch? So all of these messages are going to be slightly different and we want to be mindful of that. Then we also have to marry it with the project plan. What's happening at the project level? When is the design of this technology happening, for example? Or when are we looking at reorg and what is that shift going to be taking place? So we look at the messaging, we look at the people, we look at the who, who's going to be communicating it because it's not always going to be the change Mm -hmm. manager. Actually, in most cases, it never is the change manager, to be honest with you. A lot of times we will craft messages for the executive leader. We will craft messages for the manager. We'll craft messages that go out to the broader organization, corporate communications and things of that nature. And so all of that work is happening on the back end. I'm a visual learner. And so a lot of my work is actually done visually because I do believe that when people see a picture of what the plan is, they're a lot more accepting of it than if I just send them a spreadsheet. And so I use a lot of visuals to communicate how the change will flow in the organization. What we do know is that change is personal. At the end of the day, it's about each individual. But what we're trying to do from an organizational perspective is to shift everybody at the same time. And so this is why it's important to be able to see the big picture of not just the one change that we're leading, but what else is happening in the landscape of the entire organization? What's competing for our messages? And where can we actually partner instead of seeing them as competitors? Where can we partner as we think about the end receiver? So if the end receiver is the employee, what's the story that they're actually hearing when they piece all of these communications together? Does it make sense to them? Is it relevant? Does it resonate with them? And so that's really the goal outside of the project for a change leader is to step back and say, How can I help this organization be successful with all of the changes that they're leading, not just the one that I'm working on? What's the message or what's the story that we can tell to the employees so that the change is actually going to stick with them? How do we know when a change is happening that it's actually sticking with employees? Is there a way to measure the effectiveness of that? Absolutely. So I get super excited about metrics. I love data and I love analytics. Good. I do too. You could dive as deep as you want on this part. And you know, it's funny because oftentimes they think, oh, people, it's such a soft thing. How do you measure it? A lot of times in the change space, we measure it through surveys. And I think anybody in HR is probably very comfortable and familiar with that process. But what I'm looking for is behavior change. I'm looking for mindset change and behavior. And I have crafted, and I do this with organizations, it's always customized. It's never the same. But essentially what we do initially when we kick off a large change, and you know, at some point we'll survey people and we'll tap into different stakeholders. Initially, it's more about, do you understand the why? Do you know why we're doing this? What does it mean to you? And then once we get to a good place, we shift and we never ask those questions again because we've moved on to the next set of questions. Do you understand the how? What questions specifically do you have about the actual work and the impact to you? 
And then the training piece is very important. Do you have the right skill sets? Did you receive adequate training? What else can we retrain you on? So we're constantly monitoring to see, are we making a behavior change? Are we making a mindset change? Are people positive about this? Are they negative about this? And if they're negative, then we go into resistance management. Now I'm going to pause right here and say how much I absolutely love resistance because it is true gold for a change leader to uncover where resistance lies while you're planning out all of this change and not when you go live with it. So when I see resistance, I think this is a great opportunity for us to be able to engage with people and to address their concerns and to help them journey on this path forward with us instead of constantly feeling like we're pulling and we're fighting. I'm going to pause right here because I know resistance is a hot topic as well. I'm assuming within HR as well. But all of that can be measured. And I think this is kind of the beauty of creating metrics that we can take a poll from the organization and do it several times throughout the duration of the project and see improvements so that we do know that we are successful. And of course, once you go live, then we typically have more data in terms of financial metrics or system usage or satisfaction from customers. Pam, I've so appreciated having you on the podcast. Your new book, No One's Listening, and it's your fault. Get your message heard during organizational transformations. Where can people learn more about you, your work, the book, anything like that that you want to point people to? Sure. People can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm also on marmanconsulting.com. I have a ton of free resources, checklists, journals, things of that nature that will help people lead organizational change. And the book is available on Amazon. No one's listening and it's your fault on sale on Amazon. Thanks for coming on, Pam. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 